0: You know, one thing I've noticed in my time with BMO ETFs is if you look at kind of the long-term track record of Canadian banks versus the Canadian index, it looks very good for Canadian banks.
1: Welcome to Deep Dive, a special episode of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these episodes, we put BMO GAM's investment strategies under the microscope so you can see how they work for your clients and your practice. Today, Sorab Movahedi and Chris Heeks go deep on the Q4 results from Canadian banks, guided by our guest host, Daniel Stanley. Together, our experts provide context for where financials are today, where they're headed in 2021, and which ETF strategies offer the best risk-adjusted exposure. Before we hear from our experts, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and bookmark BMOETFs.ca in your browser.
2: Welcome to another episode of our Deep Dive series. This is the first of a series of episodes that will review the bank quarterly earnings. Today we're covering the fourth quarter 2020 earnings announcements of the Canadian banks, and we will return each quarter on this channel to update you on the latest financial results. My name is Daniel Stanley, I'm an ETF Specialist at BMO Exchange Traded Funds, and I'm joined today by my colleagues and friends, Chris Heeks, Portfolio Manager for all of BMO's equity and multi-asset ETFs, as well as Sorab Mobahedi, Managing Director, Financials Research at BMO Capital Markets. Today, we're going to cover the fourth quarter 2020 bank earnings announcements and what they mean for investors and the Canadian economy as well as looking at three different ETF strategies that give you exposure to the Canadian banks. So without further ado, Chris and Sorab, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to join me. And Sorab, I want to start with you because the banks loom large in Canada. You know, there's one on every major street corner across the country. We know they account for 20% of the TSX capped composite index. And of course, they pay each of our paychecks every second Friday. So what do last week's earnings tell us about the sector specifically? And more broadly, what does it tell us about the Canadian economic outlook for 2021?
3: Hey, thanks, Dan. Um, Well, fourth quarter 2020 was a interesting end to an unforgettable year for the Canadian banks. Collectively, their earnings were down 18% or so year over year um, in 2020 largely because of uh, very large uh, provisions for loan losses. The the group, the big six, as I'll refer to them, collectively had about $24 billion in provisions for credit losses. Now, that's a big number. Uh, that was more than double the $10 billion or so they provisioned for last year, and I think understandably so. Although, interestingly enough, if you disaggregate the 2020, $24 billion for provisions uh, between what was for performing and what was for impaired loans, only about 11 of that 24 billion was for actual kind of non-performing loan losses. 13 billion was reserves against uh, the performing loan book. So put differently, 54% of the reserves they charged this year is really in anticipation of future loan losses. Obviously, there has been a concerted effort on the part of regulators, legislators, bank management teams to help soften the economic impact of COVID-19 pandemic. Government support programs, central bank rate cuts, bank relief programs, regulatory uh, provisions that have been net accommodative around deferrals have all helped by time. So we will have higher loan losses for sure next year, but the Canadian banks would be conservatively reserved for, uh, based on probability of outcomes or likely outcomes, for the next year, perhaps even next couple of years. You know, the Canadian government support spending relative to GDP uh, in response to COVID-19 is probably leading that of all advanced economies. And the presence of ample liquidity, I would say, has primed the pump um, for a rebound (laughs) in uh, economic activity. And the introduction of a coronavirus vaccine Uh, a real, I guess, a reality now, has been a game changer uh, and, uh, you know, arguably has put the end in sight. And so there are reasons for optimism around the economy, both because of the reserve conservative reserve levels of the banks, but also because of the government support spending. And I think what has been government support spending has the potential to become stimulative, which obviously would be very good Economic activity and banks being uh, levered plays on economies stand to uh, benefit. So, perhaps a bit of a long winded answer, but I think uh, if 2020 will be an unforgettable year, we're uh, looking forward to 21 and 22 to be memorable years uh, for the Canadian banks. Let me stop there and see if that can address your question.
2: Yeah, that's great. I mean, so it sounds like earnings are down because of loan losses and provisions are double. But at the end of the day, to your point, you know, banks, governments, the regulatory environment are being very um, accommodative, which um, gives reasons for optimism, should be stimulative. What will be interesting to see is is how that carries through into the markets. Uh, So, Saurabh, thank you for that. And, And Chris, that's a great segue into my next question for you, because The banks also loom very large at BMO ETFs with both ZEB, which is the BMO Equal Weight Bank ETF, and ZWB, which is the BMO Covered Call Canadian Bank ETF. Each of those ETFs have over a billion dollars in assets under management. I know you joined BMO ETFs in 2011, which almost makes you a lifer, but that wasn't long after the launch of ZEB and the same year as ZWB. So I'm curious, Chris, having watched these two ETFs for 10 years, have you noticed any themes or patterns of investor behavior? And what's been most surprising to you?
0: Uh, well, thanks, Dan. And, yeah, I, I guess it's not surprising that in, that Canadian investors are interested in the banks. Uh, but there's certainly been, you know, an anchor, um, you know, of our lineup and, you know, and, and a real anchor for Canadian investors over that time. Um, like you said, there's about $3 billion in assets total between the two. And, and Canadian investors have really, you know, looked at the banks as a place to, uh, somewhat safely oh i'm never 100 safe with equities but somewhat safely deploy risk um, get a good income stream uh, stream and and um and good capital growth over time you know, if you look at kind of the long-term track record of canadian banks you know, versus the canadian index it looks very good for canadian banks even if you do a you know a 20-year return on uh, uh on, on the s p 500 we look very good investing in canadian um, you know, one thing I've noticed in my time with BMO ETFs is definitely gravitating to to, uh, to this sector for Canadians. And, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, ZWB, the covered call uh, ETF, that was launched in January of 2011. I, I joined in the fall of 2011, and that fund actually was already at about $400 million when I joined. So it showed you that, you know, Canadian investors really gravitated towards that covered call strategy um, where you can earn a little more. A little more income, and that certainly fit uh, a need uh, for investors at the time and going forward. You know, the search for yield I think was kind of coined or at least you know popularized um, in in and around 2011. You know, when I look at them, you know, this year what I'm seeing is again continued interest. You know, year to date flows, uh, particularly in the ZEB, so just the, the the uncovered Canadian banks, there've been about 280 million. Uh, we have another 75 million this year into Cover Call, um, Canadian banks. And, you know, again, shows you that investor appetite. You know, when Canadian banks were having yields of in excess of 6%, you know, I think a lot of investors rightly looked at them, and, and we called it out on our podcast as well, but looked at them as a place where, you know, we could potentially take some risk and, and seek to earn some good returns as they recovered from, um, from COVID. So, you know, again, I think investors also have responded to you know, the simplicity of the exposure. You know, again, this is not uh, over engineered by any means. Suppose ZEB and ZWB, it's just simply the six largest Canadian banks, equally weighted, you know, rebalanced twice a year. You know, there's no there's no insurance in there, and it, it's just a it's just a simple systematic approach that I think have resonated. So, you know, again, as the yield is still pretty attractive, um, you know, at about four and a half percent you know, still above long-time averages. I think we're still continuing to see that that interest and, in, uh, you know, generally speaking, has served Canadian investors very well over the last 10 years and even before that.
3: Yeah, thanks,
2: Chris. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. The, the banks really are an anchor. And I love the way particularly you brought in the, the Canadian investors' sort of gravitation toward income, which brings up the question of, the dividends in the banks, and, and then which brings up the question of the bank earnings. Um, Surab I, I want to bring you into the conversation now because I find this really interesting. I feel like pre-COVID, I feel like it was interest rates were the biggest concern for the banks, whereas now with many sectors of the Canadian economy being shut down for extended periods of time, the, the issue of loan losses and non-performing assets has moved front and centre. Can you give the audience a bit of a primer on why interest rates and loan losses are so critical to bank earnings and, by extension, their dividends? And also share with us how they fared last week in this
3: respect. Yeah, I think, um, you know, just to go back, I guess, to the essence of uh, the answer to the first question, we would be broadly of the opinion that credit concerns and loan losses are increasingly a uh, rear view mirror item for the Canadian banks, which I think brings interest rates back uh, to the fore. Now, just to take a step back, you know, interest rates and the business of taking deposits and making loans and collecting a spread is really the, the crux of the business of banking in Canada. We've been fortunate that our banks have diversified their revenues over time, adding business and fee businesses like uh, wealth management or capital markets advisory. So today, the Canadian banks generate and it will vary from bank to bank. Amongst the big six, roughly half of the revenues come from spread-based businesses, you know, taking your deposit, making a mortgage loan to me, stuff like that. Uh, But half comes from fee businesses. And when rates are low, all else equal, you do have headwinds to half of your revenues. And uh, maybe the way to think about it is low rates to banks are what low oil prices are to energy companies. And so one logical reaction for a bank management team to offset the declining rates or the margin compression on at least half their business is to pursue volumes. You no, know, let's put on more loans. Now you can go after volumes by, you know, one way to do it is to open up your risk appetite, uh, pick up the marginal loan that maybe you would not have done under normal circumstances, but the marginal pickup in uh, spread outweighs the credit risk. The, the big issue generally is bank balance sheets are obviously Libra anywhere between 15 to 20 times to one in basic you know, asset to equity type uh, math, which basically says, if you miscalculate the value of that loan asset, say by 5%, you can wipe out the equity. So that the total between the balancing act between the pursuit of spread-based revenues uh, and growing that with that of credit quality is a very important balancing act for the banks. This persistent low rate environment um, is probably causing, uh, at least in part, the banks pursuing higher volume. And that volume growth as a way to maintain net interest income, even if it's coming on at lower net interest margins, is something we're paying attention to. Now, the good news, I think, is that while bad loans are made in good times, good loans tend to get made in bad times. And so in all likelihood, the loan growth for the banks in the foreseeable future, certainly coming out of the COVID pandemic, is likely to be less worrisome from a credit quality perspective. And so if you think about credit and credit costs in some ways as the cost of goods sold for the Canadian banks, I think we're entering a period where uh, those costs will be lower in part because of the front-loading, if you will, the reserve building that the banks have done. But make no mistakes about it. The low rates are an issue for the business of banking, and as optimistic as we are on the outlook, we are not losing sight of the fact that they tend to present some amount of headwinds. Now, the good news here is the banks are actually trying to play the yield curve in that business. You know, the how much do I have to pay on deposits versus how much do I make on loans? And if we're right and the government support programs end up being somewhat stimulative for the economy, you would expect the steeper yield curve combined with a commitment really on the part of central banks to maintain rates, at least the short end of the curve, Low for lower for longer to provide some amount of uh, relief, if you will, on the revenue line for the banks. And of course, if you're able to grow your revenues uh, and you don't have the credit costs, it boils down to your expenses, which has been in uh, intense focus for every one of these banks and the adoption of um, uh, mobile banking and digital digital interactions with the bank make their efficiency ratios more uh, more accommodative, if you will, as far as earnings are concerned. And so we see a continued fertile ground from an earnings perspective and their ability to maintain and increase their dividends, right? So today, the dividends are being funded by internal capital generation. Uh, dividend growth uh, is prohibited right now. There's a moratorium on it by the regulator. But I think that was a um, sage decision on the part of the regulator. It actually is uh, credibility or confidence inspiring for the system. But there certainly is great earnings power within the system to be able to not only maintain the dividends, and remember, we were one of the few banking systems during the COVID crisis that maintained the dividends, and to grow those dividends, uh, but not necessarily increase the dividend payout ratio target. So a mouthful there, but hopefully um, uh, good enough to give everyone the confidence they, sh- they should need to maintain their uh, bank holdings as cornerstones of their portfolio.
2: So I like the way you built that sort of cautiously optimistic case, which is the you know, the credit issues a rear view, uh, which does put the interest rates back into the picture, but to your point, you know, banks are more diversified. They get a lot of their earnings comes from fee-based business. And then, you know, compensating that on the, on the, the interest rate side is, is they're increasing their volumes. So um, I, I think you've built up a really nice, cautiously optimistic case for 2021, which I think we all need, given the, the kind of year it's been in 2020. <music>
1: You're listening to Deep Dive, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're looking for timely trade ideas to navigate the current market, we encourage you to tune in each Thursday for our weekly Views from the Desk episodes. You'll hear razor-sharp insights, commentary, and ETF strategies from our portfolio managers, as well as questions submitted directly from our audience of Canadian financial advisors.
2: Chris, I'm going to move over to you. Given that cautiously optimistic scenario that you've heard from uh, SORA, you know, we've got three ETFs that provide investors with exposure to banks. And I am including ZCN in there, folks. Um, this is the TSX Cap Composite ETF, full disclosure. It's, it's not all banks. But you get 20% exposure to, to Canadian banks when putting it in there. The second ETF, of course, is ZEB, or Equal Weight Canadian Bank ETF. And then the third one is ZWB the covered call Canadian bank ETF. So Chris, given Surab's comments about the sector and the Canadian economy, which ETF do you think investors should be focused on right now?
0: Uh, Yeah, thanks. I mean, I think, you know, of course, every, you know, investor has to look at their own portfolio um, and and make that, you know, assessment based on their risk and and what their objective is, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I would say, you know, in terms of the index, the ZCN, Um, you know, obviously there's a benefit to getting diversification um, outside of the banks. And and there's been a couple areas of the TSX that have really been pretty meaningful the last couple of years, you know, one of them being Shopify and and the other one being gold equities. And, you know, often these are, you know, these are overlooked by a lot of managers. And the nice thing with um being in an index is you know you'd capture that. So there there actually were not a lot of active managers who who had even an index weight in um Shopify or, or an index weight in gold equities for that matter. Uh, so so certainly being diversified and, and you know having exposure to other sectors of, of Canada um is important. Uh, you know, I still think you know to uh, to Sorap's point and your point about the cautious optimism around the strength, fundamental strength of banks, you know, I think again we're in very good shape. Uh, with ZEB and ZWB. You know, I would note on, on the volatility side in the market, um, volatility is still a little bit elevated. And, and what that can do is for our cover call bank, we can earn those option yields a little more effectively when volatility is um, elevated. So you know if you are a client who needs that extra income, you know, ZWB could be a very good choice for you. And and i would actually had a couple more um, options, no pun intended. Um, we also have the Canadian dividend and the Canadian high dividend covered call ETFs, so kicker ZDV and ZWC and again if you have um, you know if, if, if you um, you know have that belief in the cautious optimism and the vaccine distribution next year and you know to continuing to spur that recovery trade if you look at dividends as, as a broad factor they you know they underperformed this year you know really the Large cap tech was really the one big driving force uh, globally. Dividends really underperformed across the globe. You know, again, if we're um, looking at a theme of you know what could potentially outperform next year, you know, I think if we continue to get the reopening and uh, you know strengthen the economy, and we continue to get that support in terms of fiscal, monetary, you know, liquidity support from from governments and central banks. Um, again, I think dividends, um, you know, have a have a potential to outperform, and, and banks feature prominently in, in our ZDV and ZWC as well. So there's there's a lot a lot of ways to go. Um, you know, I think it depends on your portfolio, but um, you know, certainly I you know I, I think you know you 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 want to um, you know maintain that bank exposure, or or perhaps to seek to to increase it, perhaps
2: if if you're underweight there. So a few different ideas there. Thanks, Chris. And I really like the way you brought up the the concept of volatility being elevated because I, I don't think many Canadian investors sometimes understand that volatility in and of itself is an asset class that you can monetize. And the way you monetize that is by selling call options, which in plain English, you are selling volatility. And to Chris's point, if volatility in the Canadian bank sector is elevated by selling call options, you are able to harness that, 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 uh, that volatility, turn it into income that is in addition to the already attractive dividend income you're getting from the bank. So thanks for that, Chris. Um, and, and also, Chris, I'm looking forward to our next podcast in March when we can check those predictions and, and hold your feet to the fire, so to speak. So gentlemen, I've got one more question for both of you. Uh, I, I think we can all agree that 2020 was a challenging year. Uh, that is an understatement. Let's assume that you've asked the six Canadian bank CEOs what they wish for in 2021. What do you think they're going to answer? And Chris, let's start with you, and then Surat, you can follow.
0: Sure, thanks. I think, you know, we've kind of touched on kind of some things that I think we would like to see happen. Uh, maybe not just bank CEOs, maybe people in general uh, in, in Canada. But uh, I think continued support from the fiscal and monetary uh, authorities um, is something that's um very meaningful to um, to the markets and to bank bank equities. Um, it's been very strong as we know this year, and and and, uh, and, it, and it looks like that's going to continue. Um, and then I think you know the, an effective vaccine rollout. You know we're we're getting close to actually seeing it now, which is very exciting. And um, you know the, the the hope is that spurs a reopening trade. It's going to help the economy. You know some of those. Loans that were, you know, that were made, uh, you know, Saurabh so said is going to lessen, you know, credit risk if we get the economy going It lessens credit risk. And I think that's a benefit for Canadian banks. So, um, yeah, so continued stimulus and, and and a continuing vaccine rollout reopening, I think, would make bank CEOs very happy. I think it would make, make uh, a lot of people very happy and hopefully make 2021 a better year uh, than 2020.
2: Thanks, Chris. What about
0: you,
3: Saurabh? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with Chris. I, I think we'll be hard-pressed to find anyone who would not be wishing for a, uh, a successful vaccine rollout. And, uh, uh, and then from those that are exposed to the economy, like the banks, uh, I'm sure right up there would be a wish for a more vibrant economy, um, you know, supporting higher rates, steeple yield curve, and, and the like. You know, If I had to uh, make it a little bit more personal to the banks, I think some of them certainly uh, wish that the regulatory moratorium around buybacks and dividend increases could lift uh, so that they could both uh, increase their dividends, but also deploy some of the healthy capital levels. We didn't really touch on it today, but they all have very good capital levels. And being able to deploy that uh, maybe in buybacks would be a very attractive option. Uh, And uh, because they're trading at um, some still at reasonably attractive uh, valuations. And I think beyond that, I'd say they probably wish that the regulatory moat that has provided them uh, the defensive ROEs and profitability yardsticks, uh, especially around the Canadian banking businesses, which are usually half, Bit higher for some of the banks, you know, continue to persist. So those would be probably the immediate, uh, then the one or the one year, and then probably the five year wish list that I would come up with for the, from the on behalf of the Canadian bank CEOs.
2: Thanks, Sarab. Yeah, I think, and you know what? Let's diarize for the next podcast your discussion about the capital levels being high and, and the, uh, the issue of buybacks. Let's definitely touch on that in the next podcast, guys. Chris, Sarab, thank you for your insights. I mean, my takeaways, takeaways for the audience, number one, a vaccine rollout is going to be absolutely critical. Uh, number two, at the end of the day, the banks are diversified. And I think that provides a tremendous amount of reason for optimism going forward. I just want to remind the audience that you can get exposure to the Canadian banks via ZCN, ZEB, and ZWB, as well as our dividend ETFs. All of these ETFs trade actively on the TSX, if you have any questions, please visit our ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's B-M-O-E-T-F-S, no spaces, dot C-A. You can get research, news, and insights. That's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Please join us in mid-March for an update on the Canadian banks. On behalf of Chris, Sora, and then your BMO team, I want to wish you all a very happy and healthy holiday.
1: Thank you to Saurabh Movahedi, Chris Heeks, and Daniel Stanley for joining us on Deep Dive. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to tune in to our weekly Views from the Desk episodes available each Thursday morning in this same podcast series. And you should also bookmark the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the Portfolio Manager represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time, without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investment should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statements that necessarily depend on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance.